podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good boys and girls, Two Footed Podcast on Easter Monday, the 18th of April, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblock from, while also keeping your data safe. If you go to libertyshield.com and use the code EPL25, you'll get 25% off at checkout on either the hardware package, which is a router that gets sent to you, or the software package, which you can just instantly download to your device, EPL25 at libertyshield.com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out both the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy, Using the codes EPL10 or RED10, you can get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, we had six games in the Premier League at the weekend and two games in the FA Cup. We'll start with those FA Cup games on Saturday. Liverpool 3, Manchester City 2. The Reds march on to another Cup final. Ibu Kanate put them one up on nine minutes with a towering header from an Andy Robertson cross. Sadio Mane took advantage of a bit of messing by Zach Steffen, tackled him on his own goal line and forced the ball into the net on 17. Now, I want to stop on that goal. Everybody and their mother is putting the entirety of the blame on Zach Steffen, and I can kind of see why. But are we just going to ignore the John Stones role in all of this? The fact that John Stones dallied on the ball waited for Sadio Mane to press him and then rolled it back to the keeper, allowing Mane a free run through on the keeper. Are we going to ignore that? Are we also going to ignore the fact that John Stones played the ball back to Zach Steffen, who's right-footed on his left foot? He played it back to the keeper on his wrong foot. Now, it's understandable that he would do that considering Ederson is left-footed. He's used to playing with a left-footed keeper. But he played it back to his left foot, not his right foot. Stones playing that pass should have been playing it wide of the goal. Should have rolled it back wide of the goal for Stefan just just step onto it and kick it clear. But John Stones is the architect of that goal. Zach Stefan is just the one that will get the blame. And Stefan deserves blame. But John Stones does as well. Stones' performance in this game was quite poor, despite claims from some that he's one of the top three centre-backs in the league. Sadio Mane made it three on 45. A brilliant team goal by Liverpool. Thiago Alcantara at the middle of it, as he was at the middle of absolutely everything. A brilliant little clip pass across, finds Mane on the edge of the box, and his shot just spins away from the keeper, gives him no chance. It's a wonderful team goal. It's a wonderful strike by Mane. Liverpool were rampant. They were dominant in that first half. Klopp's decision to drop Jordan Henderson inspired. Naby Keita, Fabinho, Thiago Alcantara, that midfield is levels above anything else Klopp has ever put out in the middle of the park for Liverpool. They could have been four up at halftime. They were so dominant. Mane had one great opportunity when Naby played him through. He's one-on-one with Stones. You fancy him to just pull the ball past Stones and shoot, but his first touch is poor. They got into position after position after position to hurt City, and it was always a bad first touch or a bad final ball that let them down. But the defence was rock solid. The midfield was incredible, and the attack constantly caused City problems. Fernandinho was very lucky to even see half time. Two yellow card offences, one where he kicked through Thiago, one where he sided down. Luis Diaz, both should have earned him yellow cards and said he got a stern talking to. 
He was booked in the second half, but he shouldn't have been on the pitch by then. And if he had been, he should have been sent off for that one. But such is life. Liverpool came out in the second half asleep. And Jack Grealish made it 3-1 on 47 minutes. Good work down the city right, the Liverpool left. Andy Robertson should do better. Ball comes across. Grealish, who was hopeless on the day, finishes well from about 12 yards, unmarked. Can't really miss from there. Uh, it was literally the only good thing Jack Grealish managed in the game. Liverpool took control of the game again after that. And from 50 to 70, Liverpool were just on another level to City. It wasn't a close contest. And then Klopp brought Henderson on for Keita and it became a very close contest. In fact, City took control of the game. Liverpool were dangerous on the counter, still had some chances. But Bernardo Silva, who Naby Keita had put in his pocket for good safekeeping, began to influence the game. Phil Foden became more influential because he was getting a little bit more space because Fabinho and Thiago were now having to do three players' work instead of just doing their own jobs. And City's influence grew and grew. And when Mares came on, City began to look a real threat. And Mares creates their second goal on 91 minutes. Jordan Henderson decides not to bother committing to a tackle in midfield against Sinchenko. He just pulled out of a tackle uh, and then decided he wasn't going to bother tracking his own man. Him being the right-sided midfielder, his man would be City's left-sided midfielder, Bernardo Silva. Uh, but Silva somehow managed to run into the Liverpool box with nobody close to him. So you'll have that. 2-1 on 91. Liverpool had to survive a couple of little scares then after that, but did have a chance of their own with Roberto Firmino at one of the last kicks of the ball that should have put it to bed. Uh, 3-2 flattered City. Liverpool were by far the better team. Jack Grealish made some nonsensical claims after the game that if they'd gotten it to extra time, there only would have been one winner. Well, you were awful, buddy. And I'd say if Pep was going to make another change, you'd have been the first one off. So, shh. The Reds, true to the final. City's treble dream is over. They can, of course, still win the double. They have to be considered as favourites to win the Premier League. They're a point clear. Seven games left. With West Ham having the final, or potential final, of the Europa League three days after they'd meet City in the league, you'd imagine that will be a reserve team. Uh, and City's run of games is favourable. Wolves is their most difficult game. Wolves away. Aside from that, it is now quite straightforward for them. In a repeat of the League Cup final, Liverpool will meet Chelsea in this year's FA Cup final. Chelsea 2-0 winners over Crystal Palace. Palace matched them completely in the first half. And in truth, probably should have been 1-0 up at half time. Koyate had a really good chance, but his shot didn't trouble Mendy too much. He, he really should have done better from there. In the second half, both Koyate and Joachim Anderson missed guilt-edged opportunities to score. Two great-headed chances, and both of them made a mess of them. Uh, Chelsea went one up through Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who'd come on for Mateo Kovacic in the first half. It's a good goal, but there's a there's an element of fortune in, number one, how the ball reaches Loftus-Cheek. It's a cross that's not intended from, deflects off the defender, comes back to him on the edge of the box. He strikes it well, but it takes a deflection off Joachim Anderson. It looked like Jack Butland would have gotten to it, if not for the deflection, which raised it over his hand. Good strike, but an element of luck. Uh, 11 minutes later, it was 2-0. Mason Mount, really nice finish after good good work from Timo Werner. Um, And Chelsea were two up, and that was it. That was game over. Now, I thought Palace lost the game when they brought Ayu on from Ateta. I thought that entirely handed control of the game to Chelsea. Because Mateta's physicality, his size and his pace was causing them a lot of problems through the middle. Vieira had set his team up really well. He went with a back three, Coyate, Anderson and Guehi, Ward and Mitchell as wingbacks. And then the midfield three of Eze, MacArthur and Schlupp with Mateta 
and Zaha through the middle. And Zaha was drifting out to the left and causing trouble. Mateta was a real physical pest through the middle for them and his hold-up play was really important. And when he went off, they lost all of that. Not to blame Ayu, he didn't do anything wrong. Didn't do much right when he came on either, but just the loss of that number nine, that focal point. And then to bring on Ben Teke, you might as well have just played the rest of the game with 10 men. He was dreadful when he came on. I don't understand why Odson Edward wasn't brought on. Uh, Michael Elise came on a little bit too late to try and influence the game. So Vieira, maybe some, maybe some big stage nerves. First big game as a manager, and I think it got to him. But for, for 65 minutes, up until that first goal, Palace matched Chelsea every single step of the way, and Chelsea knew they were in a the game. They knew they were in a game. Chelsea were the better team and deserved to go through to the final. It should be a good contest with them and Liverpool. Chelsea's third straight FA Cup final. They've lost the last two. We'll see what happens this year. That game will be played the 14th of May. I believe it's a 4pm kickoff. On to the Premier League game. So first up, Spurs nil. Brighton and Hove Albion won. Brighton, who hadn't won in seven games, had lost six straight and then drawn with Norwich, went to the Emirates last week and beat Arsenal, turned up at Tottenham Stadium this week and beat them as well. Spurs were dreadful. Genuinely dreadful. I don't really understand how you can go from looking as good as they did last week against Villa to being as bad as this. This was genuinely a shocking performance. Kane was awful. Son was awful. The midfield was shapeless. Defensively, they just looked so shaky. Gave up chances that a really good team shouldn't be giving up. And Leandro Trossard scored the winner on 90 minutes. But this was Spurs gifting them a goal. Welbeck loses the ball and Spurs just basically give the ball back to Brighton. It's a really good finish by Trossard. Makes Eric Dyer look poor. Finishes past Lloris. A really good goal. A well-deserved win. Awful for Tottenham. Absolutely awful. And could have been very, very costly for them. Now, as things stand, Spurs stay fourth in the division. They've got six games left. They're three points clear of United, three points clear of Arsenal. Arsenal have that game in hand. It's away to Chelsea. It's going to be difficult for them. Brighton are back into the top half. Seven points from the last three games. It's been a big help after that disastrous run of six straight defeats. If Brighton get top half after a run of six straight defeats and not having won a game for three months, I'm not sure whether that says a lot about them or a lot about the rest of the league. If you can go three straight months without winning a game and then lose six in a row and still get top half, like it does call into question how good the Premier League actually is. Like If we look, during their three-month run of not winning a single game from match week five to match week 19. They didn't win a single game. Yet, at one point, they went from sixth to fourth with a draw. And only in the last three weeks of that run did they drop out of the top half. And one win immediately took them back to ninth. It hasn't been great. It really hasn't been great. But look, they'll take a top half finish. That was definitely the order of the day for Brighton at the start of the season. Um, they're a point ahead of Brentford with a game more played. They're level on points with Southampton. No, they're a point ahead of Southampton with a game more played. Sorry, Brentford have a game more played. Southampton have the same amount of games played. They've played a game more than Palace and the three points clear of Palace. The three points clear of Newcastle, same games played. Four clear of Villa, same games played. With six games left, Brighton have a really, really good shot at finishing in the top half. A really, really good shot. Credit to them. 
but it does stay more about the rest of the league. It definitely does. Uh, the reason Spurs stay third, fourth, rather, fourth, is because Southampton beat Arsenal 1-0. So having gotten walloped last week 6-0 at home by Chelsea, Southampton beat Arsenal 1-0 because Arsenal, A, don't know how to play from behind, and B, just don't really seem to want a top-four finish this year. Jan Bednarak scored the only goal of the game on 44 minutes. And to be fair, I did think on the balance of play in the first half, Southampton deserved it. I did think they did. Arsenal are a better team than them, but I thought they matched them every stride in that first half. And in the second half, Southampton took the approach of trying to bet in, which when you've got pretty poor defence, maybe not the best course of action. And Arsenal did pepper the goal. I thought Fraser Forster, I said it last week, he was Southampton's best player by a mile. And the only reason that game didn't get double figures. This week, he won them the game. He was outstanding. He made some massive saves. Xhaka had a, a shot from 20 yards. That was a phenomenal save. Saka had two or three really good chances that he saved. He was just immense, absolutely immense. And credit to credit to Southampton. This was a huge, huge result. It's a massive blow for Arsenal. Arsenal now sixth in the league. It's three defeats in a row and four defeats from the last five. And those three defeats are Crystal Palace, Brighton and Southampton. Mid-table teams. 10th, 12th and 13th in the league right now. Said it all season. Arsenal are Fugazi, the flat-track bullies. They were beating up on teams in the bottom six. They've lost 11 games this season. If you're losing double-figures games, now Spurs have lost 11 as well. If you're losing double-figures games, you don't deserve a top-four finish. I don't think Spurs would deserve it either, but Arsenal, United, West Ham, none of them want that fourth place. They all just keep falling over their own feet. Saints will be thrilled to get that win after a bad run of form. It was like what me and Guy talked about on Friday. They're just such a weird... Them and Brighton, such weird teams. Maybe it's something in the water down in the South Coast that these teams are just dreadful for four, five, six weeks, lose games they should win, get walloped once or twice, and then turn up in a game you expect them to get walloped in and win. And it makes no sense. Makes no sense at all what they do. But massive credit goes to Hassan Hootl and his team to turn around after the beating they took last weekend and get that result was really, really impressive. Uh, Manchester United 3, Norwich 2. United deciding that it is about time they at least try and look interested in a top four finish. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo put them one up on seven minutes. This is some of the most comedic defending by Ben Gibson you're going to see. Absolutely shocking stuff. Cristiano made a two on 32 minutes. Again, Ben Gibson needs to do so much better, but a great header by Cristiano. Uh, then Norwich decided to start playing on just on the stroke of half time. Kieran Dowell pulls one back. Timo Pukki does really well in the build-up play. And then it's Pukki who equalises on 52 minutes after good work by Kieran Dowell. So returning the favour on that one, 2-2. And it looked like United had managed to blow a 2-0 lead at home to the worst team in the league. From there, Norwich had the better chances. Rashikas should have scored. I thought Sam Byram should have scored. 
but it was Cristiano who got the winner. Uh, his free kick on 76 minutes. I don't know how Tim Krul doesn't save it. I genuinely don't. Norwich basically gifted him two of the three goals, but credit to him, he gets a hat-trick. Uh, I believe that's 60 hat-tricks in his career, uh, 30 before the age of 30, 30 after the age of 30. I know this because he tweeted about it. That's how I know it, because he, he tweeted about it. Because nobody likes to talk about Cristiano's goal-scoring records more than Cristiano. Uh, but credit to United, a hard-fought victory over the worst team in the league. And United are now fifth in the Premier League. Level in points with Arsenal. Arsenal do have a game in hand, but again, it is Chelsea away. Keeps them in touch with Tottenham. They've played the same number of games. Um, United's running. Let's have a look. Liverpool tomorrow. Arsenal away. Chelsea at home. Brentford home. Brighton away. Palace away. That's tough. That is tough. Spurs, six games left. Brentford away, Leicester home, Liverpool away, Arsenal home, Burnley home, Norwich home. That's probably, that's that is easier. It just is easier than United's. And Arsenal's then is Chelsea away, United home, West Ham away, Leeds home, Tottenham away, Newcastle away, Everton home. That's the toughest of the three. West Ham, I suppose, are still in the mix. They've got five games left. Uh, those would be Chelsea away, Arsenal at home, Norwich away, City at home, and Brighton away. That's a difficult run. That is a difficult run. And they've obviously got Europa League games coming up, two semi-finals against Eintracht Frankfurt, and then a potential final against either... Rangers or Orby Leipzig on in the middle of the week between the City and Brighton games. So they're likely to be a bit distracted for both of those and the rest of the fixtures are quite tough. Can't rule out Wolves staging a late comeback, though it seems unlikely they are five points behind Arsenal. Uh, their remaining games, they've got City at home. Every Liverpool fan will watch that game and hope that they can pull something off. They get Burnley away, Brighton home, Chelsea away, Norwich home, Liverpool away. It is a tough run. It is a tough run. You're playing the top three. The other three are all winnable, but it's unlikely that they will that they will get uh, a top six spot. But they could well get seventh if West Ham are distracted by the Europa League, which they're going to be. It's, it's natural. You're in the semi-finals. You're going to be distracted by that. Right now, I'd have to make Spurs the favourites. They've got the three-point advantage on United and an easier running. But, God, they're, they're tough to, to back at times. They, they really don't make things easy for themselves. Uh, I would make United favourites for fifth, Arsenal sixth, Wolves seventh, and West Ham eighth. Chelsea will finish third. And the top two is anyone's guess you'd, you'd back city because they're a point clear and with west ham being distracted by that game that potential final um you'd have to suggest that it, it favors them now when we look at city they've got wolves away that game is bit to be rescheduled they play brighton on wednesday then they play watford at home both of those games at home they'll win both of those games then they play real madrid at home, Leeds away, Real away, Newcastle home. Hard to see them not winning all of them. West Ham away would have been a more, will be a more difficult game if West Ham don't have Europa League final. But I do think West Ham will overcome Eintracht. Villa at home on the final day should be straightforward. That Wolves game is the the tricky one for them. For Liverpool, uh, it's Manchester United at home followed by Everton at home, should be two wins, then Villarreal at home, then away to Newcastle, then away to Villarreal, home to Tottenham, away to Aston Villa, then an FA Cup final, 
then Southampton away, and then Wolves. It, it's very, very difficult. That's a that's a more difficult run now because of the FA Cup final getting put in there. There's a short turnaround between the Villarreal game and Newcastle away. Look, they're going for four trophies. They're going to go into the month of May chasing four trophies. They may even go as far as May 14th chasing four trophies. They may go beyond that chasing four trophies. They could go right down to the final day of the season chasing four trophies already with both domestic cups in their pocket and a Champions League final to come. And they may go into that Wolves game hoping and praying that Aston Villa somehow managed to get something at the Etihad. So it's an incredible achievement by this team and whether people like it or not, it is one of the great recent achievements to go into May. The latest any team has ever gone chasing four trophies is Chelsea in 07, went to the 1st of May. Liverpool will go further than that this year. Even if they lose to Villarreal, it will go to the 3rd of May. Does anyone really anyone expect that at the start of the season? I know I didn't. I know I didn't. Uh, back to this year's, this to this weekend's Premier League action then. Um, Watford 1, Brentford 2. Uh, Watford, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand them at all. Uh, Christian Norgaard put Brentford 1 up on 15. Uh, Brentford was the better team in the first half, but Watford came out in the second half and played really well. Emmanuel Dennis equalised on 55. And Watford, Watford should have won the game. Should have won the game on 93 minutes. King's shot hits the, the woodwork, bounces back to lose it. He, he has to score. He has to score, and he doesn't. And then Brentford go down the field and win the game. Brentford go down the field and win the game with a Pontus Janssen header in the 95th minute. And Watford have to be devastated, have to be devastated. And that is probably going to be all she wrote for them. They're six points behind Everton. They've played two games more and they've managed to blow a great opportunity in the last couple of weeks with Leeds at home and Brentford at home to drag themselves towards safety. Uh, They play City away next. Then they get Burnley at home, Palace away, Everton home. Leicester home, Chelsea away. Um, Everton fans will hope they beat Burnley. Burnley fans will hope they beat Everton. They'll have a say in who stays up. I just don't think it will be themselves. Brentford, though, what a turnaround. I mean, they're now 11th. They've won four of their last five. Is it five of their last six? I think it might be five of the last six that they've won. Let's see. It is. They've won five of their last six. They beat Norwich. They beat Burnley. They lost to Leicester. They hammered Chelsea. They beat West Ham. And now they beat Watford. What a turnaround. They looked like they were going to get dragged right into that mix. But now they're safe and they will be in the Premier League next season. And congrats to them. Uh, comfortably in mid-table. And again, it's just it, this. the league has been so strange this season. But credit to them. When it got really tough, big players stepped up for them and got them the results they needed. Hasn't been the case for other teams. Uh, Burnley won. Newcastle. Sorry, Burnley won. West Ham won on Sunday. Voot put Burnley one up on 33 minutes. Burnley missed a penalty in that first half. Max Cornet brought down. Steps up himself, keeper goes really early and he somehow manages to drag the shot wide. I don't understand why he took the penalty. I don't know if he has much of a track record with them, but he certainly didn't look confident stepping up. And that was right in the stroke of half time as well. In that first half, Burnley had a massive blow when Ashley Westwood was stretched off. It was only like two minutes before the, for the, the Burnley goal. Um Vlasic goes into a challenge with Westwood. Westwood's foot seemed to catch in the turf. It's fairly innocuous from, from Vlasic, but as soon as it happens, 
he is frantically trying to get attention. He's then in floods of tears. There's Burnley players in floods of tears. Uh, I I don't even want to get into the details of, of the chat of the what the injury, but it, it's an ankle injury. I'm guessing it's some sort of compound fracture, but it was it was fairly horrific. It was fairly horrific. There's definitely dislocation there as well. Uh, so hopefully Ashley Westwood can make a full comeback from that, but I wouldn't bet on seeing him play football again anytime soon. I it could be it could be 2023 before we see him again. Uh that was it was particularly horrific. Um second half, West Ham just looked so flat. They looked knackered. Jay Rodriguez should score on 62, 63 minutes after good work by Cornet. He doesn't and then West Ham equalised on 74 minutes. Thomas Suchek with a header. Uh, no, not a header. I don't think it was a... It was a cross by Lanzini and Suchek put it home. I, my mind is gone. I'm thinking now, thinking now about the Westwood thing. Um, I'm fairly certain it was a header. I'm fairly certain it was a header uh, by, by Suchek to equalise. And... Um, the game just sort of ran out at that point and Nick Pope made a couple of big saves, one from Jared Bowen that was notable, one from uh, Issa Diop, but aside from that, it, Burnley deserved their point. It was a bit weird seeing Ben Mee as Burnley manager for the weekend. Um, there's a good story actually in The Athletic about the end of the Dyche era, so give that one a read. Dyche was seen... Uh, out on the beer on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, he is due a massive payoff by Burnley, somewhere in the region of 12 million. Now, I don't know if his contract is guaranteed or not. He might only get paid a lump sum and then up until he gets his next job. But um, yeah, Taishi, Taishi decided to enjoy his weekend. The Athletic have a story that, or David Ornstein, I should say, has a story that Burnley will look to appoint an interim manager this week before the next game, which is against Southampton, which you just know Southampton are going to lose. You just know after beating Arsenal, they'll lose to Burnley. Uh, and then they will look to appoint a permanent manager in the summer. They're not giving up on staying in the division. They want to stay up. They want someone that has a track record. It's going to be Sam Allardyce. It just is. It's going to be Big Sam or Pulis or somebody of that nature because, you know, gammon is gammon. Uh, last game then, Newcastle 2, Leicester City 1. Leicester went one up on 19 minutes. Adam Ola Luckman with a, a nice goal for the Foxes. And they looked really good. The fo- Leicester were playing some really good football. Lovely little corner. Uh, low cross by Dewsbury Hall. Perez makes a front post run flicks the ball back into a central area and Adam Ola Luckman comes in and finishes. It's a great goal. Someone else scored a similar corner this season, but I saw someone say that Eddie Howe has used that exact same corner routine when he was back at Bournemouth. So obviously one that someone poached. Um, On 30, Bruno Gomerich made it 1-1. Bit of a scramble in the box. Casper Schmeichel looked to have his hands on the ball. Gamerish kicks it out and puts it in the net. Goal is given. Then it's not given. Then it goes to VAR. And the decision is the goal stands. Casper Schmeichel, as he always is, furious. Absolutely furious. That fella's never conceded a goal and not thought it was someone else's fault. Uh, second half, I thought. Newcastle started to look the more impressive team. I thought Joe Willock was really impressive when he came on. And it was his invention that won the game for Newcastle. He made a break down the left, crossed the ball into the box. It found found its way to Bruno Gamerish, and he headed it into the top corner. Gamerish being a goal-scoring midfielder is not something I was prepared for, but that is now three goals since he joined the tune. It is amazing to me that he was allowed to join Newcastle with no competition from Manchester United, 
crying out for a midfielder like him. Arsenal crying out for a midfielder like him. As much as I like Bentoncourt, I think Spurs would have been better off buying him. He's a little bit younger. Um, but Gamerish is outstanding. And Newcastle have an absolute gem on their hands. Brendan Rodgers came out and blamed everybody by himself after the game, which is standard for Brendan. But the two are up to 14. That's back-to-back wins now for them. And I think we can congratulate them on being in the Premier League next season. I would say everybody from, from Villa up can now be comfortable that they'll be in the division next season. Leeds are probably going to be fine, but you'd still just want them to win, you know, one more and maybe pick up two more draws and get to about 36, 37, 38 points. Um, Leicester, they stay ninth. They still have their games in hand over Wolves. They will likely finish ninth because they have those games in hand. And one of those games in hand is against Everton on Wednesday night. They've got Everton twice, Watford and Norwich. That should be four wins for them. They also play Aston Villa at home. That should be a win. Uh, And they do have, of course, the Europa Conference League semi-final coming up, two legs against Roma. I don't fancy them in that, I have to say. But, you know, stranger things have happened. But Brendan winning in Europe is just not right. It just doesn't sit well with me. Uh, We'll do the Garth Crooks team of the week. Then we'll take a quick break and come back with the news and wrap with the gossip. Garth has gone with Fraser Forster and goal. I have to agree. He was excellent. He's gone Konate, Tarkovsky and Janssen. Kanata and and, and Janssen rather both scored. Um, So, of course, uh, Tarkovsky, I can only assume he watched Burnley versus... um, Burnley versus West Ham. I can only assume that he was either there working, uh, but somehow he managed to see that game because Tarkovsky didn't score and he somehow made the team of the week. Uh, Across the midfield, Loftus-Cheek is a wing-back. He didn't play well, but he scored. Mount didn't play all that well, but he scored. Gamerish scored two. And Trossard didn't play brilliantly. He was decent, but didn't play brilliantly. I scored somehow. No Thiago, who was comfortably the best player I saw this weekend. No Nabi Keita, who was outstanding. It's a bit strange. Uh, but all the lads that scored. And then up front, Timo Werner was given man of the match in the... FA Cup semi-final, he played in, Cristiano scored a hat-trick and Sadio Mane scored two and did play very well and was also given man of the match despite not being the best player on the pitch. Uh, Don't know why Werner's there, not sure why he's picked Loftus-Cheek, Mount or Trossard. I'm not going to argue with the rest, but that's that's a bit woeful now from Gareth. Uh, he he done okay last week, uh, but he's back returning to true Gareth, Brook, uh, Gareth Brooks, Gareth Crooks form this week with some nonsense uh we'll take the break and when we come back we have news and gossip and we'll catch up with what's going on in the championship at the moment see you in a sec right welcome back so uh, currently in the championship, there is a full slate of games. Obviously, they do the championship is brilliant for Easter. They do Good Friday and they do Easter Monday. So earlier today, Huddersfield beat Middlesbrough 2-0. Uh, it's a big blow for Borough in their push for a playoff spot, but a big put, a big win for Huddersfield, who are currently third in the league, four points behind Bournemouth, who are currently winning. Um and still in with a shout of automatic promotion. They need Bournemouth to slip up, but still in the mix for that. Uh, right now we have Coventry nil, Bournemouth won, so Bournemouth winning way. Coventry had a really good start to the season, but have tailed off, currently sitting in mid-table. Barnsley and Peterborough are drawing nil-nil in a battle between the bottom two. Both teams need to win that game to have any chance of staying up. Um, it doesn't look good for either. It doesn't look good for either, it must be said. 
Uh, QPR and Derby drawing nil-nil. Derby again, they need to win to give themselves a chance of staying up. Reading losing at home to Swansea, 2-1 to Swansea. Reading are the team fourth from bottom. They're the team the bottom three needs to lose. And right now they are losing. Blackburn nil, Stoke won. Blackburn also in the promotion race. This would take them out of the top four, out of the top six rather, out of the playoff spots. So they're needing a win today. That's not a good performance by them, not a good result if it holds because they really do need to keep pace with the likes of Sheffield United, Nottingham Forest and Luton above them. Uh, Stoke are a mid-table team. They shouldn't be losing to them. Blackpool, Blackpool 2, Birmingham City nil. Birmingham have had a rotten season. They're 20th in the division, uh, fifth from bottom. They are safe. They won't be overhauled, but it's not been a good season at all. Blackpool under Neil Critchley plays some nice football. It's their first season in the division. They're 16th and they'll be happy with that. This will be their first win in five games if they see it through. Cardiff and Luton drawing nil-nil. Luton, like I mentioned, they're fourth from top. Cardiff are 17th. So Luton will expect to win that game. They got a big win on Friday against Forest. And they'll be looking to follow that up. Uh, Millwall drawing nil-nil with Hull in a match nobody really cares about. Millwall are ninth. They could still make the playoffs, but it's very unlikely. Hull are 18th. They're safe, and that's all that really will matter to them. Uh, later on, 5.30 kickoff, we get Bristol versus Sheffield United. Should be a good game. Nottingham Forest versus West Brom should be a good one. West Brom started the season really well. They're now 13th. They made a big mistake in sacking uh, Ishmael, in my opinion. Steve Bruce has been pretty much a disaster since taking over. I get that things weren't perfect under Ishmael, but they were better than this. This is a mess. Uh, let's have a quick look at where West Brom's season has gone. So if we pull up their season, uh, Ishmael was sacked on the 2nd of February. Now, again, I get that things were going wrong. They'd lost... Four of seven, only one win in seven. But that was 29 games into the season. They were seventh. They were seventh. They'd been in the playoff spots every week up until then. That was the first. The defeat to Millwall was the first time they dropped out of the the first time they dropped out of the playoff spots all season. And since then, they haven't had a sniff. They've dropped as low as 14th. Under Steve Bruce's watch, they lost four of their first five. They did have a little revival. They beat Hull. They beat Fulham, which was a good result. They've also beaten uh, Bournemouth, but no, no, no. It's, it's not been good. They should have stuck with the guy they appointed in the summer. Um, so they don't deserve to come up, so good enough for them. May they enjoy mid-table. Uh, Forrest should win that one. And then Fulham against Preston is tomorrow at 7.45. And that is basically going to be a promotion party. If Fulham win, they are up. They are 10 points. Actually, no, I tell a lie. Fulham are guaranteed automatic promotion unless Forrest do something absolutely bananas which would involve Fulham losing their remaining five games and Forrest winning their remaining six games, which seems unlikely um, on both counts. So Fulham, with a win tomorrow, will be guaranteed promotion. Uh, as things stand, they are basically guaranteed promotion anyway. But tomorrow will cap it off for them. You'd expect that they'll end up going on. and winning the league. They're six points clear of Bournemouth, and um, it really isn't close. And that's the championship. David Ornstein today with a news drop with a bunch of stuff in it. Um, Arsenal have hired external consultants to improve the culture at the club. London firm PeopleMade are conducting a top-to-bottom culture review called the Arsenal Way in a bid to connect with history and values amid acceptance it has faded. And somehow the blame for this has been placed on Arsene Wenger and Unai Emery and not on uh, Mikel Arteta, who's been able to 
somehow skate without any criticism at all, which is strange. Um, two of the final three bidders for Chelsea are keen to talk to Paul Mitchell about appointing him as technical director if they win the right to buy Chelsea. Monaco want him to stay, but there will likely be some pull. What that says to me is what I said all along. They are going to become a team that puts finance first. They want to be financially sustainable. They want to invest heavily in youth recruitment, in finding bargains, in an analytical approach, probably more emphasis put on their academy. For Chelsea fans who think one of these bids is going to lead to mass spending, you need to think again. Uh, Liverpool are in talks for a new shirt sponsor. Their current deal with Standard Charter Charter runs out next summer, 2023. But as is the norm, they're going to look to get something in place a year in advance. Newcastle have paid damages to ex-youth players. Story by Daniel Taylor. Um, it's about the abuse suffered at the hands of a paedophile coach. Go read that story. It's important that people read it. Manchester City are set to host the Ukrainian national team at the Etihad campus and allow them to use those facilities to prepare for their games, again, the game against Scotland and then potentially against Wales in the World Cup playoffs. Uh, West Ham plan to activate the option for an extra year in the contract of Angelo Albana and could perhaps even look to do an extension beyond that. 34 coming off an ACL, I think I'd do one year and see how he is. But uh, that is it for the news. We have the gossip then, so we'll get through. We've got a couple of days of gossip, actually. So let's start off with Saturday. Newcastle have offered Benfica £50 million for Darwin Nunes. That won't be enough, and he'll have better offers. Maurizio Sarri is desperate for a reunion with Jorginho at Lazio. With the Italian midfielder unlikely to be offered a new contract at Chelsea, he's at a contract next summer, so it would make sense for them to sell him this year. Incoming Manchester United boss Eric Ten Hag wants Aurony and Chiumeni. Again, I'm not putting any faith in any of these kind of gossipy rumours until he is appointed. Uh, Manchester United are monitoring Enzo Fernandez. They don't have any scouts. Their own apparently to just do what City and Liverpool do. Inter-Miami co-owner David Beckham wants to bring Sergio Ramos to the club this summer. He's been a disaster for PSG. They might as well say goodbye to him. Arsenal are interested in signing Hoffenheim's Florian Grilich on a free transfer this summer. He'd be a good squad player for them. They could do a depth in midfield. Uh, Leeds have joined Arsenal and Newcastle in expressing interest in the player. Calvin Phillips wants to stay at Leeds and will reject Manchester United's advances by signing a new contract. I do think there's scope for him to leave, but not for them. I don't think he'd join them. People can say Alan Smith did it all they want. Alan Smith wasn't as closely tied to Leeds, the city, and Leeds, the club, as Calvin Phillips is. Tottenham will be in the market for a left-sided centre-back this summer and are monitoring the situation of Mario Hermoso. Let me just save you the time. He's not very good. Burnley want to bring in Sam Allardyce. Yeah. Uh, Borussia Dortmund have reached a basic agreement with Red Bull Salzburg over Kareem Adeyemi. There's been some contrasting, uh, contradicting reports to that over the weekend. Manchester United had a scout at RB Leipzig's Europa League game to watch Christopher, Christopher Nkunku. That's from Nicolo Shearer, who's a spoofer, uh, a wannabe Romano. Um, imagine being a wannabe, a spoofer who's a wannabe spoofer. So you're not even a full-blown spoofer. You're just a wannabe spoofer. Um, Chelsea's second-choice Spanish keeper, Kepa Ariza Balaga, is a target for Juventus. I doubt it. Tottenham are confident of securing a deal for Sam Johnston. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a backup keeper, absolutely. Absolutely. He'd be a, a very good backup for them to have. But they still need a starting keeper because Lloris is finished. Barcelona have stepped up their pursuit of Cesar Azpilicueta. How can they step up something that's pretty much already concluded? Pelo Dybala is planning talks with Arsenal and Tottenham as he prepares to exit Juventus in the summer. I still think he's going to Inter Milan. A long list of European and Premier League clubs are lining up a bid for 
Gleason Bremer of Torino, Arsenal, Leicester, Everton, Newcastle, Tottenham, Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund are all monitoring him. Unless you're playing a back three and have conservative wide centre-backs, he would be a disastrous signing. Everton could be interesting. Now, I think he's going to go to Inter Milan, but Godfrey Bremer, Michaelenko as a three is something that could work. Um, Romero Bremer, I think, is too aggressive. I think it's too aggressive as two-thirds of your back three, unless you play Bremer on the left of it, which isn't going to suit him. Um, Simeone might be able to tame him a bit because he did it with Diego Godin, who was hyper aggressive as a young centre back, but not to, I don't think to the extent that Bremer is. Bremer is Bremer's a mentalist. Uh, he'd be a bad fit at Newcastle. I can't even imagine what he'd be like at Leicester. Rogers would love him, though he's very much in the Lovren kind of mindset of centre backs. Um, he's been great this season in a back three. But it's a back three. It's the exact same as Rudiger. He's just as wild and as positionally inept as Rudiger is. Uh, Belgium midfielder Eden Hazard does not want to leave Real Madrid. That's I think his brother said that. Um, Manchester City are still prefer- still pursuing Erling Haaland but would prefer to avoid triggering the lump sum. Instead, they would agree to pay Dortmund a little bit more, but over multiple payments. Strange. Gabriel of Arsenal is happy and focused at the Emirates, despite rumours of Barcelona interest. That's from the spoofer who made up the rumours about the Barca interest. Fenerbahce and Galatasaray want to send James Rodriguez. Why? <laughs> Why? I eat do well in Turkey, to be fair. Uh, Chelsea are prepared to let Romelu Lukaku leave this summer. Inter Milan and PSG are interested. Laturo for Lukaku, straight swap, everybody wins. Manchester United have placed a 40 million price tag on Dean Henderson. That's nonsense. United will pay some of his 120,000 a week wages if he leaves. 120,000 a week. 120,000 a week for Dean Henderson. Like, who makes these decisions? Like, he's a good goalkeeper. There's no question. In his entire career, he's played 29 games for United. And he's on 120 grand a week. That can't be right. Can't be right, surely. Incoming Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag will bring his Ajax sister Mitchell van der Gag, but former um, United striker Robin van Persie remains undecided over a alleged offer to join the backroom staff. Ten Hag is going to bring in, I think, most of his Ajax staff. I think that's probably how he'll work. Uh, Manchester United are targeting Everton centre-back Jared Brantwaith. He's talented, but you know, no. Uh, Issa Diop has emerged as a target for Leon. Leon are not going to have any money this summer because they're going to be outside of all European football in all likelihood. It'll be a summer of sales, most likely, for Leon. Uh, Manchester United have held talks, held more talks with Erling Haaland, blah, blah, blah. Real Madrid have made a late move to capture Erling Haaland. It's not a late move. They've been after him for 18 months now. Roma are considering letting Nicolo Zaniola leave at the end of the summer, at the end of the season, rather, and would seek an offer of about 50 million. I I don't believe that to be true. Liverpool are chasing Calvin Ramsey of Aberdeen as backup to Trent. He's really, really good. He's only 18, but he is really, really good. Portuguese side Braga want Juventus great. Andrea Pirlo to be the manager next season. Is Carvial leaving? So he's done quite well there. Brentford's German midfielder Vitali Janel says he's had contact with Premier League and Bundesliga clubs about a potential move. He's been good this season. He has. Uh, I think he should do another year with Brentford and then see where he stands. PSG are ready to part ways with Mirza Pochettino and hope to appoint Zinedine Zidane as a new head coach. Everybody knows that one's coming. The only way Zidane doesn't take that job is if he hangs around and gets the French job after the World Cup. Juventus could launch a bid for Jorginho. I doubt it. 
I doubt it. I, I don't think they need a player like him, to be honest. They need someone that's a bit more aggressive and then they could do a Kante. That's probably who they could do it. Uh, Barcelona are back in the frame to sign Laturo. I, I just don't see it. I don't see how they have the money. Barcelona will speak to representatives of Felipe Coutinho to decide on his future. He's on loan at Aston Villa, but Barca are unconvinced the Premier League club will pay the £33 million fee written into his loan agreement. I think they'll want to keep him, but I don't think they'll pay that much. Uh, Crystal Palace and Tottenham want to sign Peterborough's £15 million defender, Ronnie Edwards. I'm not sure who has put a valuation of £15 million on him. He has been pretty impressive this season for a bad team, must be said. But I, I do think £15 million would be extremely high. Um for a player with so little experience, but he, he has been good in the championship this year. I think his best bet is to try and join another championship club if he can, but if that's the price, that, that's not going to be possible, but we'll wait and we'll see. Um, Barcelona's other big target for the summer is Robert Landowski. Everybody knows that. Uh, more about Grilich. Wayne Rooney wants to bring Phil Bardsley to the club if they avoid relegation from the championship. They'd be better off signing him in League One. That's about his level right now. They're former teammates from United. Liverpool are planning to offer Sadio Mane a new contract. It's from Football Insider, so it's probably crap. Liverpool have sounded out a seven, out 70 year old midfielder, Gavi. This one's gone on and on for months. I think he's just going to sign a new contract. Uh, Borussia Dortmund chief Sebastian Kiel says Man City have not agreed a deal to sign Erling Haaland, as is well known. Bayern Munich chief executive Oliver Kahn says the club do not have the financial might to sign Haaland. He's also confirmed they're in contract negotiations with Robert Lewandowski. COVID hit Bayern hard. It really did. Um, West Ham are lining up a bid for Manchester United's defender Deshaun Bernard. It's currently on loan at Hull. Tottenham are monitoring a potential move for Christian Eriksen. Um, again, I, I think he should stay where he is. Arsenal are lining up a move for Lille's Kosovan midfielder, Eden Zagrava. I don't... I suppose the thing is, for Arsenal, if they're looking for a winger right now, they're looking for someone to come in and be a squad player. So that would be would be sensible, but I mean, he's only just got there. He only moved there in January. I think you might want to let the lad settle in a little bit. It's probably not true, to be fair. It's coming from Sky Sports, so most likely nonsense. However, the Gunners could miss out on Christopher and Kunku. He's not going to join a, a, a Europa League team anyway. Arsenal could let as many as 12 players leave this summer with Bernard Leno, Hector Bellerin and Alex Lacazette all set to depart. I want to see who else is listed here because that that's just mad because they don't have that many players. Everton and Brazil forward Richarlison has told his agents to find him a new club. Again, it's football insiders, probably crap, but you never know. Newcastle are preparing to revive their interest in Gleason Bremer. They do seem to really want one super aggressive centre-back because Diego Carlos is their other big target. So they want one who's a, a head case. Uh, Real Madrid manager Carlo Ancelotti has said Luka Modric will finish his career at the club and, and rightly so I think he might go back and play for Dinamo Zagreb but he should finish out his main part of his career with Real Jose Mourinho has visited a mural dedicated to Diego Maradona in Naples prior to his side's match against Napoli that's this evening do watch that one if you get a chance Manchester United players have been warned to expect a highly demanding culture under Eric Ten Hag by Dutch defender William Janssen who played under the manager when he was at Utrecht that, that should be the basis for any manager right so this is Chris Wheatley so this is definitely going to have truth to it so the players in question El Nenny, who's at a contract Lacazette who's at a contract I think you'd keep El Nenny. you might keep Lacazette if you can as a backup uh, Eddie Nketi is at a contract he wants to leave Alex Runnison's garbage, so you should sell him, but you won't get any money from him. Hector Bellerin, he wants to leave, so that makes sense. 
William Saliba, I mean, he's better than Ben White, so I don't know why you'd let him go. Uh, Mavroponos, he's much better than Rob Holding. I'm not sure why he's on loan. Pablo Mari, again, why is he on loan? You've no backup centre-backs other than Rob Holding. And two that you own, in fact, three that you own who are better than Rob Holding are all out on loan. And Lucas Torreira, who just doesn't seem to get on with Arteta for some reason. That's a lot of players. But in fairness, from the current squad, Torreira's not there, Mavroponis is not there, Maris, uh, Mari, Saliba, Bellerin, Runnerson, none of them are there. It is just Enketia, Lacazette, and Lenny. I would add Ainsley Maitland-Niles' name to that list. He most likely leaves. And if they've got any sense, they'll try and sell Granite Jacket. That is me for today, folks. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.